Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. Good morning. Wait, good afternoon. <laughs> good morning or good afternoon or good evening, depending on yes. when you're listening. Or how, what, what do you say when you greet people in like, I don't know, midnight or three in the morning? What are you doing up still? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, what are you doing? <laughs> that's, that's what it, no, that's probably fair. <laughs> but yeah, today we have a guest with us, our special special guest today is Jordan. Insert clap track. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. <laughs> Jordan works with us uh, and he is a product designer with me on the same team. And Jordan, why don't you give us a little quick intro about yourself? Yes, yes. Hello and thank you. Uh, this is exciting to be here. Uh, yeah, my name is Jordan. I've been working with Eva. Wow, what is it? Two and Five a half? years. Five years now. I mean, with <laughs> quarantine, everything every month feels like a year, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I've been I've been working with you for about yeah, I'd say about three, three months, months now. Yeah. Coming up, three months now. Wow, how time flies. Uh, before that, before uh, working with you, I was in San Francisco working the, the Silicon Valley tech dream, uh, working <laughs> as a graphic designer in downtown San Francisco. And you escaped and came I, back. I escaped. Yes. Uh, I mean, I feel like San Francisco could be a whole other podcast in itself. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, after I was there for five, I was in San Francisco for five years. And after five years, I just decided, you know, I really want a new challenge or a new take on life. And so I uh, have always wanted to come to a, a, a smaller, easier place to live. I shouldn't say Excuse smaller. me. Utah is challenging and beautiful. strong and beautiful. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, affordable just, rent is nice, right? <laughs> affordable rent is so nice. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, because then I, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to see the, just the quality of life a little further in, inward from the, from the coast <laughs> is, is really nice. But I, I've loved, I loved, I love being back. I've loved uh, being outdoors and just being in the mountains and just experiencing everything again. It's lovely. Welcome back. Thank you. I, I guess I do want to ask you, cause I didn't know that you were there for five years. I was like under the impression you were there for like two, three years, but I feel like five years, that's a pretty good chunk of your life, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, uh, the night of my, my college graduation, I jumped on a red eye flight to New York city and I started an internship the following Monday at Shutterstock. Uh, I just, I just knew I was like, I, I, I want to leave uh, Utah. I want to go explore. I want to um, find out more about who I am and what I can do with design in other places. So I spent a few months in New York, wasn't quite ready to commit to the Big Apple, and then found myself living in San Francisco. My little sister was living there at the time. She was working for uh, like a PR agency out there. And then, uh, yeah, just on a whim, moved out, had no job lined up, had two suitcases in hand, and just showed up on our door. And I was like, hey, I'm here. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to live with you for a little bit. 
It was great for about two weeks until her roommate kicked me out. And then oh, I, had, no. I had a couch surf for a little bit. Yeah. That seems kind of the, like the story of anyone who moves to San Francisco. You, you move there and you move around a little bit before you finally settle down on in an apartment that you really like. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I never, yeah, I didn't know that. That's really cool. I feel like what you just described, especially when you started saying like the night of graduation, it just sounded like the beginning of a movie where you just, <laughs> I can see you facing like your campus with your suitcase already packed for some reason at your graduation and just walking away. Just like, like grab the diploma. Thank you. And keep walking. Right yep. Yeah. 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 That's and pretty then, cool. Yeah. And then like the typical San Francisco story of like, you're either couch surfing or you're living in your car, right? That's <laughs> right. how you make it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, it was, I was so surprised at how many people you'd see sleeping in cars or, uh, I mean, these are people who work at Google, Facebook, Intuit, like all of these really big companies down in Silicon Valley, but they live in campers on, uh, on the campus. What? Yeah. So it's like, they live in a, like a, like a little RV on the campus of Google to save, to save on rent. So that's is, this is funny because um, a few episodes ago when we were talking about working from home is that the bigger companies, they try to make the campus as your home, right? Yeah. Versus we're actually living at our home and working. I mean, now <laughs> we're working from home, but yeah. um, the idea that you really just sleep there versus now I am like 24 hours at my home. I feel like rent is all in a sudden like worth 100% of it because I'm actually here. And <laughs> oh, yes. Funny. Yeah. I wonder how how live is going for for camper people. I wonder too. I mean, maybe they were ahead of the maybe they're ahead of it, us, you know, just living working from home and they can just <laughs> they can just <laughs> they can just turn on their home and they drive away, you know? So, so they it's no harm no foul to them, but I think it was a lot of people actually saving money and then sending money back to their families. Yeah, but I do, I do remember some of those big campuses. I mean, there'd be basketball courts, little robots driving around delivering people's packages and stuff like that. Oh, robots. It's like living in the future. Yeah, yeah, these little, uh, I won't forget, I was on a job interview and yeah, there's all these robots going around campus of, of this company just- uh, That's crazy. Offering directions or delivering packages or something. It's It's nuts. Yeah, I've heard that those are like, their own city like just everything is there and apparently like they have robots that i didn't know about i mean i heard that they have robots but not to that degree um yeah, yeah that's yeah. nuts i feel like we're already kind of like halfway through the first thing that we wanted to ask you because <laughs> we're gonna be like what's your background but i mean should we kind of uh come back to present and see how everyone's doing we always start with a little bit of like just how's everyone doing this week what's going on yeah. And yeah. Kyle, what, what, what is new with you? Still hanging out. So we just, just found out today that our kids are probably going to be doing Spanish immersion. So that's like some exciting news. Um, <laughs> you, you found yeah. out? Yeah. Like it's a program at our elementary school that we okay. live close to um, where they learn like half their day in Spanish. Like they're just taught in Spanish. And then the other half their day is like in English. So it's just like they're there and their yeah. teachers just like speaking Spanish to them. So that's pretty exciting. But and then we're doing, did you, sorry, did you sign them up? Did they sign up or no. you said you well, found yeah. out? I guess I'm just you found out cause it's like a waiting list. Like people <laughs> oh, want to get into okay. the program. And so like you have to sign up for it. And like, I see. if the, I mean, if they had enough teachers for it, then more yeah. people would get into it, but they just don't have enough teachers. Okay. So hopefully fingers crossed, uh, we'll couple that with also learning Portuguese at home 
So we may have like trilingual going oh. on here at some point. So we'll see how that goes. But we've been doing like some Portuguese lessons at home. Then they'll be doing Spanish at school and then obviously English. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're trying to just do a whole bunch of language stuff. So that was that was literally just like an hour ago that they called us and were like, hey, do you want to wow. do Spanish immersion? And Congrats. Yeah. So. Congrats. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. You guys gonna do like the the culture stuff, like learning about foods and all that stuff too, or probably. I I imagine they do like cultural stuff. We don't know. I guess I don't know like the full extent of the program. Mm-hmm. Like they just do a whole bunch of their studying and and classes just in Spanish. So that's you know awesome. they'll do like history and math and and different portions of the day just in another language. So they're like immersed in it for for part of the day it's cool awesome yeah Yeah, they have a whole bunch of language programs around our district which um like our school the one closest to us is spanish the one that we moved from i think was french they had french immersion if i'm not mistaken they have chinese in another school close by so it's just they're piloting it with a bunch of schools in our school district all the way through like junior high so you're you get in and then you kind of stick with it and learn it all the way up through, uh, up until high school, and by that point, you you're just pretty fluent in the language. That's cool. So yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the way to go. Why don't we do that for everybody? I think that it should just be common that yeah. everybody, like all schools everywhere, should right. be doing yeah. language immersion like that to some degree. Especially, I feel like we have a lot of like different people here. Like, yeah. Out of all places, like America would be the place that you have, you know, all language speakers. Yeah, yeah I think that we, cool. yeah, we're too reliant on, I, I mean, English is definitely a, a predominant language in the world. And so I think that we probably lean too heavily on that. This is probably a whole, I, it's not even a prod, a product <laughs> podcast. This Go is back to inclusion. Like a, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of off the cuff here a little bit. We probably rely a little bit too heavily on that fact to not learn other languages like we ought to. But anyway, yeah, to your point, like include to the, some of what we were talking about earlier with the inclusion and diversity and, and accessibility, like that sort of thinking would probably be much broadened if we were taking the time to learn other languages. Cause it really just expands how you think too. Like if you're thinking in other languages and and other structures and things like that, it just, it kind of expands what you're doing that's really cool yeah when i was growing up in hong kong like i was in a school that i was learning chemistry physics and biology all these things in english um i mean it depends on the school too but that was 90 percent english until you go to a chinese literature class and then go back <laughs> to chinese but yeah that's really cool and congrats spanish is good i love portuguese though that's so i'm a, a fluent portuguese speaker that's my my Make your a stay. language yeah. of my heart. So <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. Nice. Jordan, I, what I, about you? What's going on? Let's see, so during during quarantine and everything, I've actually I've been busy moving uh, since since coming back from San Francisco. I had to find my own place, and so I've been putting that together. So it's been shopping, putting uh, slowly putting the apartment and a home together really and especially now to reiterate your point Eva it's like yeah home is now 
work and home and everything. Yeah. And so I really just want to try to make sure it's very comfortable and I have a great work setup. And uh, I've been really trying to explore uh, what what Utah and, and Salt Lake has to offer again. I had only been a visitor here before before actually moving here. And so uh, it's, it's fun to just finally uh, get to know the area a lot more, go hiking, go outside, go outdoors, go um, yeah. see friends. Uh, yeah. Stay safe while you stay, do that. Stay safe, yes. <laughs> Wearing, we're very safe. I, I carry, I have three face masks in my car and a bottle of hand sanitizer in my car. So Don't say that out loud because someone might break in and just grab them because, I mean, <laughs> it's like valuable commodities now. <laughs> I feel like it's, I feel like the, the big rush of like toilet paper and hand sanitizer and oh. face masks are kind of over, right? The Definitely yeah. the hand sanitizer. We were at the store the other night and there was like a shelf of hand sanitizer. We're like, ah, you can find yeah. it now. Like it's, it's definitely <laughs> out there. It's still like limited quality quantity, I guess, but uh, like what you can buy. But I think it's, it's been so interesting seeing all of the local companies step up to start producing hand sanitizer. Yeah. Yeah, We have a friend of mine, he, his family is part of like the water business here. And so they've really got into, uh, they've they've teamed with a few other companies and really like started just producing gallons and gallons of hand sanitizer during, during COVID. That's cool. So, yeah, I saw them in. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's the same company, but like Costco the other day, I was like, oh, they're selling alcohol here. But then no, it was like alcoholic bottle with hand sanitizer from a brewery or something. And I was like, wow, they look too much, you know, like just like a, a bottle of vodka or something. I can't remember uh, <laughs> what company it was, but I was like, oh, oh, okay, they're they're back. I think they're back too. About, yeah, but yeah, Costco. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. How about you, Eva? What's going on? What's going on? Uh, I'm just very excited about because at the end of every episode we do the product shout out. I actually have one that I have love for, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, other than that, my cats are still healthy and around, and we found out one of them is obese and been a very tough week, and we're, oh. <laughs> we're trying to adjust eating schedule, help her to exercise a little bit. So, and also I'm trying to get the home office together. I bought a clock, and Nice. That's been very helpful. A physical clock that just sits above my desk. Yeah. Love and, clocks. Yep. Right. Yeah. They're freaking expensive, but they're great. I highly recommend it. So yeah, that nothing too exciting. I feel like uh, we're going downhill with the updates because like uh, Jordan, I, I think you might know already, but a few weeks ago we were talking about like murder hornets and uh, <laughs> right. disease ridden yes. mosquitoes and all that stuff. And, and, and kind of, those I don't know. I haven't heard from them for a while, so I guess we're we're good, except for the pandemic. We're, we're good. Yes, just wear a face mask. That's what I'm gonna say. Wear a face mask in public. And wash your hands. Wash yeah, your hands. that's right. <laughs> I guess that is everyone's uh, updates. We're doing good, doing well, and let's jump back into the meat of the episode. Yeah, and you kind of started telling us a lot about your background, where you've been, and that night of your your life where you're holding two suitcases graduation flying to new york and the movie starts filming there um so just yeah what what got you into design we want to know tell us everything yeah what got me into design i had i was in my second year of college and i had already changed my major a few times from like business to pre-med to journalism even oh i took a semester (laughs) off and i was like you know what I'm, i'm going to just i just need to take a break and so I actually worked 
I, I went and worked in uh, at Walt Disney World in Florida, and I worked in as entertainment. And I was very, very good friends with Goofy. I can say that. <laughs> and so I hung out with Goofy for a couple months, and then I hung out with Cinderella in her as part of her like team in a parade. And it was during that time I was taking a career class as part of this college program, and. Uh, really discovered, wow, I can actually make a really good, fun living on doing art and drawing, which I've, I'd love to do ever since I was a little kid. And I just, when I discovered graphic design being more of a digital art form, I, I was immediately hooked. I was like, this is, get, this is great. This gets to combine my two loves of technology and art into, into one thing. And so... From then on, I as soon as I went back to school, I changed my major to art and got into the program and, and then started from there. That's really fascinating, especially <laughs> the Disney World part, because yes. I always find it fascinating. The I feel like nobody comes into really most product roles like in any sort of straight line. It's always, you know, very much through just different avenues, like, you know, was doing something else and this really caught my attention and you know decided that I wanted to do something like this and I don't even think we've gotten to your full story of like product design yet but um kind of the roundabout way that we're we're starting in there is is pretty fun so yeah. that's really cool i guess kind of building on that so you know you started to get into design in that way um where did you kind of start to take it after you kind of felt like that's what you wanted to directionally start to to go into. I guess it would go back. It would go back to college, and when I started taking classes, I immediately picked up a love for illustration. So while a lot of other students were were uh, exploring photography and a, like a few other mediums with graphic design, just illustration really stuck out to me, and it lended itself to then start creating iconography, which started leading into branding. And so when I uh, set out on my, uh, when my movie started, I'll say that, <laughs> and uh, made it to New York, uh, I was actually an in-house graphic designer for Shutterstock. And uh, so I did all of the marketing materials. I did a lot of branding, uh, a branding of events and a hackathon that we did during the summertime. And I felt branding was a really good fit for me. I think uh, there was it was visual, but it was something that could be seen all over the place. And that was one of my goals. Is like I wanted I want my work to be seen all over the world. In, in tech, that's kind of an easy thing to accomplish, I guess, because I mean, if you put your work into an app, like everyone's going to have it. So I was like, all right, I need to think of some new goals, and I need to evolve my uh, my passions a little bit. Um, it wasn't until I, I reached uh, another company in my my first full-time company in San Francisco that I discovered what product design was. Uh, we were building this brand new voice, uh, this voice identifying app and voice assistant app. And I just loved the, the functionality of it. This was something that I had never seen before. It just blew uh, the other voice assistants out of the water. And I was, I was like, if this is a product, how, like, how can we better design this? How can we get this into the hands of everybody? Uh, everybody needs to see this. And so uh, I actually made the internal transition from marketing design into 
product design around then. That being said, I was there for a couple months, uh, just starting to get my bearings with product design. Uh, but the two hour one way commute was getting a little too much for me. So four hours every day on trains, uh, bikes and shuttles. I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, so I actually found an, another position back in uh, marketing and branding design. So I kind of flip-flopped a little bit, but still that product design bug was still uh, getting my attention. And so after a few more years, I decided to actually go back and do a proper uh, UX design bootcamp in San Francisco. And it was about 10 weeks. And from there, we learned a very, very high level of, of what it means to do user research, to put together you know, wireframes, user flows, user personas, and then actually create a product from that. And so I actually, part of my project was, for that was, was designing a fitness app which combined a uh, RPG elements from video games and the the loot box reward system that you'd see in such games as like Fortnite or Overwatch, uh, something that is is just really small that could encourage the user to keep going as they unlocked more and more aesthetics for their avatar or yeah anything else in the game. That's cool. Yeah, it was called Crown. Uh, I liked it. It was fun. <laughs> I it's fun because I'm seeing more and more of those apps pop up now. So I thought it was a very appropriate thing for its time. That's yeah. cool. We should probably start charging people every time we mention their name. Like, hey, we advertise for you. Give us twenty bucks or something. <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, that that's really interesting, and I like that. Um, that that's something definitely I can relate to because it's like starting started with the, you know, traditional uh, graphic design background and then jumping into product design once you see, you know, oh, that's very cool. What is it? And I do want to hear a little more uh, during that transition. Uh, what was just within the new thing that you're doing and now you're seeing what that can be? Like what was the most appealing, attractive thing uh, uh, that, that, that you thought was something you want to get your hands into? Okay, there's there's two answers. There's the there's the kind of selfish answer, but then there's the an appropriate <laughs> answer. And I say, the textbook one. <laughs> the textbook answer, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, but the selfish one, I'll just say first. I mean, with just yeah, how yeah, Sorry, money. keep going. It's, it's the money. It's money. You know, um, all my product designer friends in San Francisco were making more money than I was as a brand designer, and so I said, you know what, this is something that I want to get into. I always just thought that product design. And I'm sad that I, I always thought of, I thought of it this way for so long that product design as a design standpoint was just creating boxes and you're just putting boxes within boxes. But since becoming a product designer, I've learned that there's so much more to it. And you're, and then the, here's the, and then this is the appropriate answer <laughs> is that I got into product design because I saw how uh, products can really help people in their lives. Um, whether that be like a life-saving app or, uh, I mean, we, I mean, every, every single interaction we have is a product, is a, is a user experience. And the good design is invisible, but the bad design will really stick out to you. And a product designer friend of mine, she, she said, you know, I love being a product designer because I get to help people and I get to uh, just make their lives a little bit easier. And so I said, you know, that's, I think that's something really 
that I'm capable of doing and that I, that I, that I want to help achieve. So, so yeah, those are kind of the two driving forces and even as, yeah. as you like to say, job security. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we like those, but um, especially now, <laughs> but um, I, I think that's totally fair though. Like uh, this podcast, I think we like talking about money and oftentimes we talk about like business goals that we have to hit. And those are things that I think um, traditionally it's been, you know, describe as like not a good thing if you're doing your work just for money but I think that we all know it's important uh money's important and it's at the end of the day as a business and we're also yeah yeah needing that paycheck to eat and live so (laughs) but (laughs) while doing you know that and and you're helping people I think that's the most important right just kind of like what you said making money and helping people yeah exactly and I I don't want to be helping people First and foremost, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong about that. I mean, I, I have loved getting feedback from the products I've made or uh, whether that be here or in previous positions. I mean, sometimes it's the simplest idea. It can go such a long way. And to me, that, that, that's just such a, that's like a sense of pride when so many people are just positively impacted by what, by, by like what you've done. And sometimes it's even just a, like a tiny bit of research. What I love about product design is that we are the ones that get to take a step back, see the whole, the whole problem, mm-hmm. the whole situation holistically and start connecting all the dots. And I never thought in my wildest dreams that going from brand design into product design would be such a, like a, like a class in psychology or anthropology or sociology, like, in, like all of these classes that I had taken in college, it's all coming back to me now. And it's like, wow, I'm so glad I've taken all of these random courses that have now propelled me into this position. And yeah, Kyle, I think like what you said, I mean, there's so many, it's interesting to see just like product design and UX is still, I mean, it's still new. Uh, it's, I think, I think rules and, and principles are coming in its place, but it's so it's, it's fascinating to see just all walks of life will come into this uh, uh, industry or to this, this, this like practice and, bring new ideas and fresh ideas and and create some really life-changing products i just want to toss toss it out there that last time when i went to the conference i met this uh this woman she is a product designer but so we kind of got to talking her background she told me that she did a neuroscience as her undergrad and i was like oh my goodness (laughs) this is probably the smartest person I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, and she's like, yeah, I'm working on a healthcare uh, application as a product designer. I'm like, wow, they are probably very lucky to have someone who actually has that related knowledge in that field. Um, but it, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Everybody, yeah, has yeah. so many different stories. Yeah. I think during during my boot camp, uh, I was told, um, it's really good that I had, a, I did have a design and a background in visual design. I knew, I knew the program really well. And so the, the last half of the course was really easy for me. And did I not to toot my own horn, but did I, <laughs> the, the best looking app? Yes, I did. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, Yay. uh, but it was, you know, this is, this is the still a field that I love. It's really, it can be really challenging sometimes because I am so used to thinking, in that design sense of how can we make it aesthetically pleasing or how it, to make it just as, as simple as possible. But I'm proven every day, you know, there's so much that I still get to learn 
and still get a practice about design. So it's, it's challenging, but it gets me up every day. I like it. Yeah, I, I think that's perfect. And this is also a perfect segue to something we want to ask you too, is like, mm-hmm. how did your background kind of like contribute to where you are now? And, and uh, I think you kind of started talking a little bit about that. And I am very curious, you talked about how uh, the classes you have taken in college that didn't seem relevant to your future all of a sudden came in handy. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. For sure. I mean, a lot of these these classes were, I would say, a core class. I mean, everyone has to take take these at some point. And it, like, how I've looked at anthropology, for example, with with UX design is, I mean, our our culture now is built around our smartphones, whether that be you're paying you know, you're paying for food, you're paying for groceries, uh, you're looking at the weather. Now, even with the, the possibility of starting your car with your phone, uh, I mean, I, I feel like our lives <laughs> evolve around mm-hmm. an iPhone or an Android. So it's interesting to see just the, the cultural shift of these major, like major technology or major life-changing uh, points of how we adapt and how we evolve. And so... Uh, looking at looking at anthropology and just seeing what people have people have worked with in the past and and how we evolved as as a human race, it's something that we can that we can definitely learn from, and and then it's helped me once again take that step back and and look at society as a whole as almost like a UX problem and say, okay, this is how we're this is how we're operating as a whole right now. Maybe there are things that we can do to shift and change that for for the good, I guess. Yeah, that's very inspiring. I like that. That's just, yeah, that really is the crux of UX, right? It's just like looking at people, looking at their environment and their habitat and their, you know, behavior patterns and what's going on and how can we solve these problems. Mm-hmm. That that that's really cool. And what about like uh, the boot camp? What, what were some of the things that you learned that you were like, oh my, this is this is you know something I still practice every day or anything like that? Yeah, uh, with with the boot camp, I I mean I I went in kind of guns a blazing, thinking that I knew everything about design and what and how and I was like, oh yeah, graphic or brand design that will translate over to product design so easily, and wow, how I was so wrong. I think the one of the biggest things I learned was just about all of the research it takes to start creating a product and to really try to take my bias out of the whole equation because so I I feel like I'm a logical thinker most of the time. And I was like, well, it should be this way. If, if an app, if I feel it goes this way, then the app should act this way and people are just going to understand it. And once, you, once we started actually user testing our theories and hypotheses about our products, uh, I was like, wow, how I don't know much about how the human brain works. I mean, I know how I work and how I function individually, but how I see someone's app or how I interact with this app is entirely different than another person. So uh, it's just, so what I've learned, what I learned through that was really seeing so many different sides of how to solve the same equation. That's cool. Yeah. It's like a Rubik's cube, you know, there's trillions of combinations that you can, that you can work through to, to solve this, to solve and get to the same problem. Kind of going along those same lines, like what do you wish that you had known beforehand? You know, obviously you learned a lot coming into it. And I think you kind of alluded to it that given your design background, you know, you thought you had a a really good understanding of a lot of design and fundamentals, but what have been some of the biggest surprises coming into product and UX design 
And what are, I guess, some of the other things that you really wish that you had understood before or that have kind of surprised you since coming into it uh, more fully? I think the biggest, the biggest thing that sticks out to me with that is, is the soft skills, the amount of backend work that happens in, in working in a, in a collaborative environment. It was, it was one thing to create an app for an academic purpose to follow this very simple steps and guidelines as what was directed by the instructor. Uh, but then once we started putting it into actual practice and using these in a real life setting, it was like all the all of the education, all the rules are kind of just like thrown out the window and like this is how we function. And so the biggest thing I learned was and still learning is communication with your team members, especially like product managers, expectations of your other teammates, knowing you understand the core of the product and how it really truly functions. I think we're at a we're at an interesting interesting situation because we have so many products that we get to work on on a daily basis. And so there's a lot to take in. I've worked for other companies where it's, it's, it seems probably more simple, but, or we just, we just are very involved here. And I think that's a really great thing. So to kind of sum that all up, I would say, you know, what I wish I would have known before is the amount of extra skills that you should learn in congruent with Sketch or Figma or all these other programs and, and like getting your design eye down and getting your product and knowledge of the product down. But it's just how are you going to communicate your ideas? How are you going to present those to stakeholders and get everyone else on board with your vision as well? I like that. And I don't know, maybe you already have heard the other episodes, but we have always come back to like, oh, communication, that is what it's all about. And yeah. yeah, across multiple episodes for the reasons that you, you just mentioned. And we're we're a fan of that, of that reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Communication and synergy. I think that was another big thing I took from one of those random classes was like synergy. A team. <laughs> synergy. Yes. Oh. You should bring me back to like what was the time that everybody was talking about synergy? Was it like the nineties corporations that was like <laughs> synergy? <laughs> I, I do like, support I like the concept. It's like synergy and, and Ron and like uh, these are like all of these like early nineties <laughs> companies that yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> that, that was junior year of high school was my lesson on synergy. That's great. And so uh, the team t-shirt idea. <laughs> Communication and synergy. Product synergy. I love it. <laughs> we'll bring it back. Bring that yes. word back. I know. Oh. That's cool. Well, you were, you and I were joking about this. I think synergy is better than some other buzzwords out there. Oh, <laughs> can we say it? I think we can say it. Should say you, it? You, you, you announce what that word is. I think I, I want to see what Kyle thinks of that word. Okay. Are we going to have when to mark it, this episode as explicit? Is this <laughs> start beeping this? Yeah. Maybe, maybe explicit for like the tech, the tech giants okay. out there or for the marketers out there. Like, sorry. Um, I just, I, I was laughing with Eva the other day because when so many companies describe themselves as we're a disruptor in our industry, uh, I just feel that that's a, it's a really empty buzzword. Um, and I feel innovation or I, I just feel like we, we can describe how great we are, but if we're, if, if we're actually not building a true product that is really, truly helping people, then I don't think we're disrupting anything. We just like to say we're disrupting things. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Disruptive, disrupting, disruption. Anyway, Kyle, what's I, your thought on on this? Yeah, one? what's your thoughts? 
I completely agree with that. <laughs> I was actually just trying to pull up. I've got something highlighted here. I'm pretty sure in the book Zero to One talks a little bit about that. Not everything is disruption. And the fact that we're like we're overusing that term. And I, I've, I'm pretty sure I've got it highlighted. I might have to look for it while we talk about some other things, but I'll fill in that gap. I just want to say that that sounds like, you know how people say literally <laughs> like in a social setting, as in just everything is literally <laughs> maybe disruptive is the literally of the product world. I like that. I can, maybe I was a little, I was a little hot headed in my younger days, like being oh. a designer. I've since humbled myself. I'd like to think I humbled myself. I think I made a few, I, I might've made a, a manager or two mad when I, when I was like, why are you saying we disrupt the industry? <laughs> I would love to be there. Just a fly on the wall. Just seeing you be like, what, what are you doing? Why are you saying this word? And then, uh. You know, I will say one thing, one thing with design and, and product design in general is I think it's really important to, to stay humble. I, I have worked with other, I've, I've worked with some brilliant product designers before who were not humble and it was very hard to work with them. I think one piece of advice I always got in, in school was, you know, you can be nice, you can be fast, or you can be nice, fast, or easy to work with or something. And you get to pick two of them. I can't remember. Mm. Uh, I ruined that one. Mm. No, I see what you're saying though. Do you agree with that idea though? No, not all the time. Not always. <laughs> I don't, you, know, yeah. you know, we can just, we'll just cut that. I'll just cut that part out. No, <laughs> no I, I think this is important to talk about because it's the idea that like, I, I do agree. Nobody's perfect. Like no one is ever going to hit all the check marks. But at the same time, I don't think that these three particular qualities are like mutually exclusive of each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think those can happen, but then again, no one's perfect. So maybe this person talks very quietly or there could be some other, <laughs> I don't right. know, negative traits, <laughs> but yeah, that that's interesting. And I just am curious. So what, what calmed you down throughout the years? You know, it was really, life experiences and looking back on an almost, it's almost like doing a little evaluation or a little analysis of, and I can totally, I can totally relate this back to the UX process with, with, uh, I, if you look back on, on the times of your life, what went well, what didn't go well, and what are the steps that you'll do to, to change that and to, and to, to, to start to move forward, to be, to always be a better person. I think outside of, outside of work, that's, that's what I always try to strive for is, is like, how am I bettering myself today? And how can we use a lot of those UX principles to, uh, in life and life principles and just in general to just become better people, better designers, better people. I like that. Yeah. Another t-shirt. <laughs> better designers, better people. But I, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. That, that's really, really nice. <laughs> Kyle looks like you found it. I did. Yeah. So yes. this is what, this it. is what he says. So yeah, this is the book zero to one. Notes on Startups or How to Build the Future by Peter Thiel. I think that's how you say his last name. One of the founders of PayPal and obviously uh, one of the big uh, VCs in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yes, yeah. the the other... Um, is it, the, <laughs> the story of it is actually people. interesting. Yeah, so the um, original of PayPal and, and Elon Musk was building a very similar company at the same time. And so as they were kind of competing in the very, very same space, they came together and basically merged their companies, or I think they bought and became partners 
kind of in in that. But anyway, just talking about how Silicon Valley has become obsessed with disruption. Originally, disruption was a term of art to describe how a firm can use technology to introduce a low-end product at low prices and improve the product over time to overtake premium products. However, disruption has recently transmogrified into a self-congratulatory buzzword for anything posing as trendy and new. And he, he goes on to talk about how like disruption kind of in this for startups in particular, talking about how disruption kind of poses you against already existing competitors. And if really what, what you're wanting to do is to create something new and exciting, like if you're framing it against existing things, then you're really almost looking at it wrong. Like you should be really thinking about like, what is the new great thing that you can be creating? And if it really is new and great, it's going almost beyond disruption. It's creating an entirely new space. And so it's not just framing it in terms of like against the old competitors, but it's creating like this new open space that, you know, people aren't even competing in at this point because that's how exciting and new it is. Anyway, I just like the idea that it's become a trendy buzzword. So I thought we'd pull that out. Because you reminded me of it and that popped into my mind that it's <laughs> in there and are. he talked about it. So Yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess I'm thinking by like new, it's like a new solution and not so much like a new idea, right? Because I feel like I've seen different people trying to solve the same problem, same idea, but execute differently. I, I feel like the best example in that is like Uber versus Lyft versus there are like three, three other ones that I can't remember and two of them closed already. <laughs> and yeah. Oh yeah, I can't remember the other ones. What are those? I can't. There was remember. like red taxis. It Is was, that what it was? It was like an actual taxi service, but they were flywheel. There's so many of them. Like uh, that's a new one that I haven't, I haven't heard. But, but yeah, that's I, interesting. Yeah, now you have all those the scooters all over the place. I think they were trying to they were trying <laughs> oh, to disrupt the uh, the like the small the, <laughs> like the small distance. Okay. Uh, those are disruptive for a different reason. <laughs> I cannot deal oh. with when people ride those on the sidewalk and expect you walking as a person yep. to just scoot over out of the, them, them coming out of nowhere. Anyways, yeah. I don't want yep. to go into my grandma rant about this. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a big difference of how people like how people use them here in Utah as opposed to how they used them in California. It was very different. That could be another episode. <laughs> I love Utah. Scooters is, and disruption. Yep. Disruption yep. in the product design industry. That is true yeah. disruption, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, before we hop into the end of episode hangout zone, <laughs> Jordan, do you have any last words you want to share with anyone thinking about going into product design? You kind of started giving advice, but yeah, any any last word in that? I would say stay curious. If you are interested in product design, download many apps, see how they function, see what you like, see what you don't like, write it down. Uh, and it's small exercises like that, which will help start the foundation of, of becoming a product designer. And uh, it's, it can be as simple as take a screenshot of a page and try to replicate it in a art program such as Sketch or Figma. And uh, you're well on your way to be uh, on our team. Done. We are going to hire at some point. So <laughs> yeah. and yes. and. Hopefully. Listeners, please please do it fast out there because we we would, you guys heard it we, here. Would, we would love designers. So <laughs> <laughs> you guys heard it here. 
I, I have seen people uh, try to hire on Twitter and stuff, which I was like, does this actually work? <laughs> like, do you actually get quality like candidates or like, do you get quality jobs? Like, how does this actually work? It's all about the network. So yeah. abs- I would assume absolutely. Right. That's crazy. I don't know. I feel like that seems, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too skeptical. <laughs> I mean, it was like a repu- reputable person that I saw that tweeted that it wasn't like just random people. But um, before I started going uh, off the rails, but uh, Jordan, just want to say thank you so much for sharing with us. And and I, I think, yeah, those thoughts are all very uh, valuable to, I think a lot of designers that are thinking about going into product design or even for product managers that are wondering like, how did someone end up here? <laughs> I think those are some very good glimpses into what this is about. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a been a real pleasure. Good, good. And the funny thing is like I, I can say like I'll see y'all on Monday. So <laughs> but um <laughs> we do have to hop into the uh hangout zone. The, <laughs> is the, that what we're the shout it? out and gripe zone. That's what we're oh that's right. That's right. Hangout zone is at the beginning. Hangout zone's at the beginning, yeah. Oh, we may right. even get okay. some music at some point that that leads us into each of the different the hangout zone and now the shout out and gripe zone i do see that one of us has some guitars in the background so feel free to compose anything if you feel like <laughs> if you want to dedicate more time <laughs> into into this operation oh yeah it's, be creative yeah but any anybody has any product shout out this this week this week or any chip related stories also welcome all right so i'll i'll, I'll kick us off and this kind of leads from the soft serve ice cream shout out that I gave in our last episode where we talked about, you know, one of the potential inventors of soft serve ice cream was Dairy Queen. They also obviously invented, well, somewhat invented the blizzard. So one of their franchise owners by the name of Samuel Temperado, who owned 67 franchises at the time, is credited with the blizzard creation. So this wasn't something that just like headquarters created as most good ideas are not created at, at like <laughs> headquarters <what? laughs> or at the senior level. No, he saw there was a local frozen custard stand that was making, it was called Ted Drew's frozen custard that was making concrete frozen custard. So if anybody's familiar with the idea of concretes, what? Like, yeah. And what, what is that? It's, it's like a, it's like a, a very thick milkshake. So they were oh. making these very, very thick milkshakes. They called okay. them concretes. Okay. And sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. Disrupted. And so Temperado who owned all of these Dairy Queens thought that was a great idea. And so he, apparently he was talking with this, with Ted Drews who owned this uh, frozen custard stand about the idea. Drews didn't see the uh, the potential of putting things into the concrete, like putting candy and other thing and fruit into it. Obviously, Temperado did, and so started actually making, you know, mixing in candies into their soft serve ice cream at Dairy Queen, and the blizzard was born. And so when they started doing this, they were actually hand crushing the the candies that went into it. So obviously, they couldn't just buy pieces of candy. And the manufacturers wouldn't sell them broken candies either. So like the employees at Dairy Queen were like spending hours and hours like crushing 
candy and cutting up pieces of candy so they could then mix them into the blizzard. But they were they were just so incredibly popular that it just it took off like wildfire. And now we have blizzards in all different forms. And so shout out to the Choco Brownie Extreme with chocolate ice cream, which is our household favorite. What is that? <laughs> it's got chunks of brownie and chunks of like chocolate shavings. And then we always get it with chocolate ice cream. That's our kids' favorite. They absolutely have to have it. What is it called again? Choco Brownie Extreme. We get it with the chocolate ice cream. Most, if you don't say with chocolate ice cream, they all come with vanilla. So you have to specify that, oh. which we always do. But right now, they have so many good flavors. Like they have temporary flavors just to keep people like coming in for the, the, the variety ones. of what, yeah, the seasonal ones. Oh. So right now they have like the, oh, what is it? The frosted animal cookie, which looks delightful. They have a birthday cake one, also delightful. They have an Oreo cheesecake Ooh. one and they have a royal raspberry cheesecake which i think it's raspberry cheese are you looking at the menu or no just i just know these, these ones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which the royal oh it's royal strawberry cheesecake uh which we get fairly frequently and that one is absolutely delightful as well so shout out to dairy queen and their blizzards which for the summertime and all time are so good <laughs> I love them so I much. Like that uh, again. Insert clap track, right? Yes. Like clap, 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 clap. But um, Kyle, I have to say, you—I don't know why. Every time you tell these like crazy food-related story, like your storytelling is just like top-notch. Every time I'm like, wow, what happens next? It's always so very exciting. But I do have to point out, it felt very ep epic when you said, "Oh, they have to hang crush on the candies," and I'm like so into that part i'm like oh that's such a challenge but then five seconds later i'm like wait no that's just normal people cooking type of activities <laughs> right you just but then somehow you made it sound very epic so yeah. nicely done well i mean now you can buy all of that sort of that sort of stuff like yeah. pre-crushed and pre-chopped and stuff like it just comes that way because now it's so common that they have either coming from the manufacturers or like I think probably distributors right. were doing it. So it's, that's just interesting to me, but like you couldn't get totally crushed M&Ms or crushed Oreos or anything <laughs> the like biggest that. biggest challenge. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about that at like a franchise level where you have like several employees totally. at your restaurant who are just dedicated for like their shift crushing up candies, <laughs> that just makes oh, me laugh wow. a little bit to think about. That, that is true. That is a challenge. I imagine like kind of same at Chipotle, someone's like scooping avocado. That's the one thing you cannot fake, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you can't fake an avocado. Um, I hope not. I can. Uh, it's funny you, you, you both of you are, keep mentioning this because uh, I know what it's like firsthand to be crushing candies because I worked at Cold Stone for five years. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> when I was in college. So uh, I will say the best inventions that we got during the time there was crushed candies, crushed Oreos, bits, and unwrapped mini Reese's cups. Those were like, when those came out, we were so happy because we were, that saved us so much time to yes. unwrap all of them, chop them up, and then put them in yes. jars and then take them to be like when we cater and stuff like that. So I just want to clarify, I was not undermining the effort that goes into getting crushed candy pieces but more 
how epic Kyle made that whole activity sound. <laughs> oh, it sounded so epic, yes. Right? It, it was like, they had to do this. If not, there was no other ways. No candy yeah. unless you crush it. Yeah, I don't remember the last time I went to Dairy Queen, but maybe I will do that. Now is the time because the Summer. as far as the flavor menu for blizzards go it's never been better in my opinion i i can feel the passion yes i'm gonna get one right now where's the next there's dairy queen come up to go to the one in centerville utah best dairy queen there is actually don't go to the one in dairy queen in in centerville that there's already too many people who do that i think think. yeah i mean all i mean i feel like i it's fine all like five eight of our subscribers are all gonna be like i'm booking flights right now <laughs> that one dairy queen must must do but it's um true. i might drive up there who knows i don't know where the closest one is really it's, it's probably seen that one, one. <laughs> <laughs> that's unfortunate i'll see you there it's absolutely six worth the feet dri- away it's absolutely worth the drive where regardless of where you are right now it's <laughs> worth it we we know what what to get you uh on a bad day yep. just let us know but yeah. my product shout out this week is this this app called dimly usually i feel like uh, actually i was thinking about this usually my shout outs are not really software applications it's always something physical like airpods and like just random stuff like that i think one time i talked about zoom the whiteboard yep. thing but there was something else i was talking about before costco i can't remember anyways so this application dimly it does one thing and the, the only one thing that you ever need late at night on your phone in bed colby goes goes to bed fairly early i started going to bed early with him 10 o'clock okay and i don't fall asleep i choose not to because <laughs> there's so much that you can do um so i'll read articles and read whatever in bed but then it's always even the lowest brightness setting is still too bright and dimly just literally just makes it even darker that's all it does and it's probably one thing that should have happened like what 10 years ago (laughs) the minute we started having a giant screen that you read things on we should have had that (laughs) but um yeah i also don't understand why that is an additional setting that you have to you know additional application that i need like why can't I just turn it all the way down? Like I know, like for example, on your Mac, you can turn it all the way off, you know, by turning off the brightness, right? On, on my phone, I'm just like, yeah, I like this app, but why can't this just be part of what comes with my phone? I don't know. I'm sure there are a million reasons, but love it. And now I can read all the things I want to read in bed. Nice. The end. I'll have to check that out. I mean, it's Android. Don't, don't you guys have iPhones? No. Oh, yeah. Android. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I am. Wait, really? I'm a Sam, yeah, I am a Galaxy Note fan. since the Note three. I've been on the Galaxy Note, so I'm up to Galaxy Note ten plus at this oh, point. That's a nice one. That's I did not nice. see you as a Samsung person. Yeah, the and the S Pen. I'm a stylus guy, so <laughs> I love. I I know, crazy, right? But. I love having the the pen I can write. I love handwriting stuff. So yeah. Hey, uh handwriting on a machine, is that considered handwriting? It is still handwriting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to gatekeep here. <laughs> what is handwriting? But yeah. Jordan, any any shout out from you? Any well, actually it can be good at, uh, or bad. Yeah, I I you know I have a good example. Uh shout out to Animal Crossing on <laughs> It has been the like 
I, I was a fan of, of farming simulators and stuff like that before. It's just always like the best game to relax, to enjoy. Uh, so definitely shout out to Animal Crossing. I started my second island. It's going much better the second time. So it's just a great game and being just like peaceful and loving. My gripe is, is that everything is done one thing at a time in that game. And I just wish, uh, I've seen videos and everything about how people have improved the UX uh, experience of it to be able to craft more than one thing at once. Oh, They've even done like amazing demonstrations about it like even in the game like what you'd see like envision but even better and yes. so uh i want to say hey nintendo listen to these people that are making your game that much better that's awesome because we have some frustrations but we love your game <laughs> you did the hard work already but can be better just help us out a little bit that's all yes this <laughs> is great yeah so anyone who is flying to centerville utah right now Download that game on your Switch, play it on the flight, and I don't know how to string my product shout out into this. <laughs> Use Dimly to turn it down. <laughs> Can't do that. Not on a Switch, but great. You can play, you can play Animal Crossing on your phone, and then you yes. can use Dimly can for you? that too. Yeah, they can you? it's called Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Okay, did it. So right yeah. there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. And we Of course. We, we, we did it again this week. Another episode. And anyone wants to add anything before we close out? No, it's a good one in the books. Yeah. Thank dairy you. Cream. This was, I gotta go. Yeah, I'm going to go get some Dairy Queen ice some cream, dollar. something. <laughs> I got to get something. I know. Yes. And I guess uh, goodbye, everybody. And thanks for listening. And see you next week. I need to stop saying and, but yeah, goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time.